Don't go on presenting yourself to sin. Don't give yourself over to the evil one. Give yourself over to Christ. Present yourself to God. Now, this, I've got to say it, this is the key to the Christian life. I mean, I don't think you can go 11 chapters of the most sweeping, comprehensive, detailed description of the gospel, come to the central command and just say, oh, this is one of many. (laughs) This is what he's looking for. This is key to Christian living. And notice what it is. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. He says, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, Present Yourselves. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. The 12th chapter of Romans. I was thinking this morning as I picked up my Bible, what a privilege it is to be able to hear directly from God. Uh, When you take the Bible in your hand, you're taking God's Word in your hand. And we don't want it just in our hands. We want it in our heart. Romans 12. Last time I mentioned that we're at the first real imperative of Romans. Eleven chapters. And he really hasn't told us anything to do yet. But you come to chapter 12, verse 1, and you come to the first real command the first imperative of the whole book. And in one sense, it's the only imperative. In light of what God has done for you, give yourself, present yourself to Him. And uh, given the fact that He has held off for so long, 11 chapters just explaining and thoroughly telling us what He has done for us, Given the fact that this is the first real command, it's all the more imperative that we see the context. And so if you've been with us uh, through Romans, if you've been giving yourself to Romans, you can think back through what he said. If you're just jumping in, I'm glad you're here. And uh, let me just walk us through what God has told us. You know, he starts with an indictment of the whole race. And he said, even though we knew God, we didn't honor him as God or give thanks. And they, he he says in verse 21 of chapter 1, they became futile. Speaking of the whole race, all of us, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And turning away from God, we turned to ourselves and it opened ourselves up to the worst kind of corruption. Whenever a man turns from God... uh, There's nothing left but darkness. You turn away from the light and you plunge into darkness. Sometimes it's gross sin like chapter 1 detailed. Sometimes it's self-righteous pride like chapter 2 where he says, therefore you are without excuse in that you pass judgment on others. And whether you came from a gross kind of a sinful lifestyle or a self-righteous, proud, thinking you can earn your way to God kind of a lifestyle, the Bible says, and Romans spells it out for three chapters, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Romans goes on and says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
And God gave His Son that we might be delivered from sin. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is for us. Who could be against us? No one can separate us from His love. Nothing can separate us from His love. He didn't spare His own Son. He gave Him up for us all. It doesn't depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. And if it's by grace, and it is, 11 chapters argue, then it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And I'm to chapter 11, and I read the last two verses. Who's first given to him? Who is in any way given to God that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And now read our text with me. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I'll tell you, if chapters 1 through 11 are a comprehensive statement of what God has done, and they are, and I don't think you'll find a better one in the Bible, then verse 1 and 2 is perhaps the most concise statement of what our response should be. I urge you, therefore, let's just walk through it briefly, and then we'll come back and look at it again, because we saw it last time. At least we got a start at seeing what he's saying. I urge you, therefore. You know, it's impressive, isn't it? That the first command, he doesn't say I command. He says, I urge you, I appeal to you, I entreat you by the mercies of God, brethren. In light of what Christ did for us, in light of what we deserved, hell, he gave us heaven. He gave us Christ. He gave us his spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit. I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies. Put yourself at His disposal. Abandon your life to Him. He's the one who bought you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Amazingly, God is pleased. That word acceptable is the word well-pleased. God is well-pleased when Christians put their life in His hands. When we put ourselves at His disposal, you, in your situation, you say, I don't know what I can do for God. Listen, He is in charge of your life. He gave you the very circumstances you're in, your gift, your lack of gift, your abilities, your lack of abilities. He just wants you to put yourself at His disposal, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable. 
well-pleasing to him. He's pleased when we do that. And he goes on, notice, and says, it's your spiritual service of worship. And the word spiritual service of worship, that phrase, it comes from the word logikos, logical. It's the only rational thing to do. It's the logical. If God came to this earth to save me, and he died in my place. The only logical thing to do as a creature who's been saved is to put my life in his hands and let him call the shot. He'll take a lot better care of me than I can. He'll take a lot better care of you than you can. It's the only logical thing to do. It's the only reasonable, I think the old King James had it. It's our reasonable service of worship. And it is just that, by the way. Worship. Real worship. God doesn't talk about style and forms of music and that sort of thing as far as saying this is the right way to do it. Real worship is born of putting ourselves at His disposal. It is devotion. It is consecration to Him. It is yieldedness to Him. That's what He's looking for. Now, having said that, let me ask those two questions I asked last time. Is your life, is my life, and I'm not talking about life, I'm talking about lifestyle, the way I live, is your life, can it be described as devoted to Him, as really presented to Him, as abandoned to Him and His purposes? Is my life, is your life, can it be described as a living and holy sacrifice? Is it really on the altar? Now let's keep those things in mind because that's what He's calling for. And let's take a closer look at this once again. First of all, present your bodies to stand at attention, to put yourself at His disposal. Now, I said it's the first imperative. It is. He mentioned it just briefly back in chapter 6. Let's go back and reread that again. Look over at chapter 6 because the first imperatives grammatically, if you're technically speaking, came in chapter 6, but they're the same thing, but he just didn't develop them. He just kind of dropped it and said, here's what we ought to do, but he didn't really go into it. And so chapter 6, he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. He says, look what Christ has done. You died with Christ. Your past is done. Consider it so, verse 11. Consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Don't go on presenting yourself to sin. Don't give yourself over to the evil one. Give yourself over to Christ. Present yourself to God. Now, this, I've got to say it, this is the key to the Christian life. I mean, I don't think you can go 11 chapters of the most sweeping, comprehensive, detailed description of the gospel, come to the central command and just say, oh, this is one of many. <laughs> this is what he's looking for. This is key to Christian living. And notice what it is. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. He says to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. 
Notice, the key to the Christian life is not getting more from God. i got to say, in our generation, it's often stated that way. I just want more of God. I, 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 need, I need to get more of God. And so people speak of getting His Holy Spirit or getting some second blessing or getting a, a, a better, you know, as if God comes in parts. But notice, as sincere as those efforts are and some of the statements even from pulpits can be, that's not what Romans says. Romans says, He's given you everything He's got. The key is for you not to get more from God, but to what? I'm talking about your Christian life now. To give yourself over to Him. That's what He calls for here. That's what He calls for. And I don't want you to misunderstand me when I say that. The healthy Christian, the healthy Christian hungers for God. Jesus Himself said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're going to be satisfied. Paul said after about 30 years of walking with the Lord, he said, oh, that I might know him and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The psalmist, even in the Old Testament, I mean, listen, and I could pick any number of psalms, but just listen to uh, David as he articulates this hunger after God. Oh God, thou art my God. I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise thee, so I will bless thee as long as I live. I'll lift up my hands in thy name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. I mean, you can't read the Bible and see and not see that the healthy believer longs after God. He thirsts for God, but he does so knowledgeable. He does so knowing that He has everything He'll ever need already. He has given us, 2 Peter 1.3 says, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Ephesians, that great book of wealth, opens by saying He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You don't need more of God. You have everything you could ever want. You have Christ. In Him dwells all the fullness of deity and bodily form, and in Him you have been made complete. I'm quoting Colossians 2, 9 and 10. When you have Christ, Christian, you say, I'm just a young Christian, I'm just a weak Christian. When you come to Jesus Christ, the moment you put your faith in Him, He gives you everything. Think of it. He gave His Son for you. He didn't spare Him. He gave His Spirit to indwell you. His Son is praying for you at the right hand of God. His Spirit who indwells you intercedes for you with groanings too deep for words. Even when you and I don't know how to pray as we should, He knows how to pray. We have everything we'll ever need from God. Now He asks us to give ourselves over to Him. And I want to ask you, are you presented to Him? Have you given yourself to Him? Notice how He puts it. Present your bodies. He's talking about everything. When you put your body on an altar... You put yourself, 
your body, your soul, your spirit, your mind, your emotions, everything. Are you presented to God physically, your body, the way you use it? Is it His? Your soul, your emotions, your thought life, is it given over to Him? Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Your dreams, your ambitions, are they His? Or are they still yours? You're hanging on to them. That's what He's after here. And notice, He says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. I mean, in their day, and I think if you've read the Bible at all, you can understand it pretty easily, but he, the Bible's full of sacrifices, full of building altars and putting an animal, offering it up to God. And in the Old Testament, I went back and read some of the, the chapters of sacrifice just to see it again. Time after time, God told Israel, here's what I want you to do, and the whole animal was to be given over was to be put on the altar. And what couldn't go on the altar would be burned outside the camp, but always over, given over to the Lord. Given over to the Lord. That's what he's after here when he says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And notice he says it's a living sacrifice. You know, I think sometimes, and I, I know I've been guilty of it, we waste emotional energy wondering if we'd be willing to die for Christ. But he didn't ask us to die for him, at least yet. As I look out at you, I think we're all still here. He asked us to live for him. So don't spend a lot of time saying, would I be willing to die? And people that say, I'd die for him. I always kind of hear the echo of, of Peter, don't you? When people, I'd die for Christ. I hope I would. But he hasn't asked me to yet. He's asked me to what? Live for him. So don't be theorizing about what you'd do in the crunch. You're in the crunch. He's asked you right now to live for Him, to follow Him. Are you? That's a much more important question than whether in some future setting you'd be willing to die for Him. And we might very well be called to die for Christ, and millions of Christians have. And I believe God would give us grace to do just that. But that's not the question before us today. We're living in what? August 20th, 2000. And the question is, are we living for him? And millions of Christians really aren't. They're kind of tipping their hat to him. There's kind of a mediocrity. Maybe you are saying wonderful things on Sunday morning about what Christ has done for you. But if you analyze Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, and you walk through the week, and I say, can you use the language of living sacrifice? Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. I mentioned it. I just mentioned it last time. But this entails both a point in time and then a continual. You see, there is, I believe to this, there's definitely that point when you yield to Christ, when you give yourself over to Him. But it isn't just that point in time. It is that. But it isn't merely that point in time. It is then a continual process, a daily process. And they're both important. And so I would ask you about the first one. Have you really said, Lord, I'm yours? My future, my marriage or lack thereof, my money or lack thereof, 
My everything, my career, where you want me to live, what you want me to do, I want to be at your disposal. Oh, it's a crucial thing to abandon yourself. There is freedom in that. That's what we were designed for. That's what we were recreated in Christ for. We're His. We're not our own. So make that step if you haven't. Don't put that off. But then sometimes, and I think uh, we evangelicals have often just called for that kind of a commitment time, and then often we've just looked back at that commitment as if that at that meeting or at that point in time, and we've gloried in just the... And Jesus said, when he called people, he said, follow me. And it wasn't just an initial dropping of everything and following. It was that. But it's a lifetime of following. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And you see, it's a continual thing. It's a daily thing. It's a regular reminder that I'm not my own. It isn't up to me to just live for myself today and do what I want to do. It's to do what He wants me to do. And Lord, I need Your guidance. And hence we say, it isn't just religious ritual when we tell believers to get into this book. When I exhort you to read the Bible, it isn't because you earn brownie points or something. It's because this is God's Word. Lord, I want to do what You want me to do. Well, where am I going to find that out? Right here. And so you start your day hopefully, in God's Word. You certainly get daily time. He said, this book shall not depart from your mouth day and night. The blessed man is the one who abides in his work, in, his, in the book, in the law of the Lord, because he will know the mind of the Lord and he will know what God wants. So you present your body a living and holy sacrifice. And it's a daily kind of thing. Somebody pointed out, and it's a picturesque way of looking at it. You know, it's one thing to slaughter an animal and put it on the altar. It's not going anywhere. But a living sacrifice, they tend to wiggle off. <laughs> you know? And so it won't do to say, oh, I'm on the altar. Are you? Make sure you are. Because we tend to slide off. And uh, we're pretty good at talking about the devotion we have to Christ. But meanwhile, we've kind of wiggled off and we're over here doing our own thing. Beware of that. God is looking for a living and holy. Don't miss that word either. Look at verse 1. A living and holy sacrifice. Our lives can only be called holy because of what Jesus Christ has done. And it just underlines one more time that verse 1 is written to Christians. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Present Yourselves, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. 
But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Don't be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance, Peter writes. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And the Christian life given over to Him will be a life of absolute purity. We're not given over to Him when we're playing with sin on the side. Now, a living and holy sacrifice is a life of moral purity. And, oh, there is a need for that today. If I think of one thing that would really speak to this darkened, immoral, amoral, standardless world, it is the church really being different, really being holy for God. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings the fourth and final part of the message titled, Present Yourselves. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.